Hey, good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, I'm excited and a little bit sad because we're coming to the end of our series this morning that we've called The Hinge. Um, We've been taking the last three weeks to look at what is the one question that we need to wrestle with if we're going to decide whether or not to put our faith in Jesus. And what's the question that we need to wrestle with? What's the hinge? The resurrection. Did Jesus come back from the dead or not? If he didn't, if he died and stayed died, 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 or if he faked his death and never died at all, then we've got no reason to trust him for anything because he was a madman who, who spoke crazy things. But if he died and came back to life, then we can, have, we can put our faith in him confidently that maybe there was something to the things that he taught. That when he said, I'm the son of God, that maybe he was right. I don't know if, if you feel this sometimes. Um, some days, more than others, I wonder, is my life worth anything? Does all the work that I do, going in, punching in and out, like, does it, is it actually going to ever amount to anything? Is there ever anything that's going to like, have meaning? Used to be when I was in school, I got grades every nine weeks, and like I could see like there's something happening here, whether good or bad, and there were things that I could do in the classroom that would affect the results on my progress report. And then you get out of school, and there's suddenly no grades anymore. It's just you're going, and you're taking the next step. And sometimes I just feel like, is it going to mean anything? And I've made it a habit uh, and in talking to our neighbors and talking to the people in our community, if I meet somebody who's retired, I often ask them the question, is retirement what you expected it to be? And I heard a chuckle, and that chuckle resounds across our city here. Uh, every time I've asked it, I said, no, retirement isn't what I thought it would be. I felt like I'd be able to take it easy, that, that the problems and my day-to-day concerns would kind of wash away. I'd get to just hang out with my friends. I didn't expect that when I retired, my friends would keep working. Or when I retired and moved to Florida, my friends would stay up in the frigid Arctic North. And, and the people that I thought I would be spending retirement with, I don't have them. And, and retirement isn't what I thought it would be. It hasn't met my expectations. And it's given me a lot of time to think about, well, I wonder if the work that I did meant anything. And I'm a young guy, and I feel that. And so I, can't, I can only empathize with those of you who have been around longer, just a little bit. Not looking at you specifically, Mom. Calm down. <laughs> I can only empathize a little bit as a young guy. But our passage today, the conclusion of this series points to the completion and the fulfillment of what Jesus started with his resurrection. If we ask ourselves, what does the resurrection mean for us? And what does it mean for how I'm going to live my life and how I'm going to go to work and how I'm going to go to school and how I'm going to deal with family stuff? Like, If we ask that question and we turn to Jesus in the resurrection, he gives us some encouragement. So hopefully by the end of this, we'll be feeling better than we feel right now. Let's pray together. Father God, this morning, um, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you have walked with us through it over these last three weeks. And we thank you how you're going to continue to help us to walk through it.
this morning. Lord, we pray that your spirit would guide us into understanding truth. And the Lord, as we understand the truth that feels so distant from where we're at today, that Lord, you would help us to apply that truth that lasts forever to our heart and our days that are numbered and limited. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your grace and your kindness to us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're using the Story Bible here this morning, it's on page 796, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <laughs> and we're going to be uh, starting our reading in verse 50. Because we believe that God has spoken clearly in his word, and we want his wisdom, so we're going to read his word and ask his spirit to apply it to our hearts. Let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 50. And I'm going to read this whole passage. I don't normally do that, but I'm going to read this whole passage, and we'll go back through it a little bit more slowly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So as we turn to the resurrection, we ask the question of what does it matter? What does it mean? If I've trusted in Jesus for my salvation, I still have to wake up on a Monday morning and do the things I normally do. I've got to go to work. I've got to mow the lawn. And that is a, a, a constant reminder of the fallen state of our world that I have to mow the lawn every week and sometimes twice a week. So what do we do? <laughs> Let's remember together that if Jesus is raised, our whole world is changed. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The skin that we wear today cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's mortal. If we're going to make it into the kingdom, we've got to dress like we belong to the kingdom and we're dressed in an earthly body. And so Paul's already argued that we have to die to get there. But now he's sharing with us a mystery that not everybody is going to have to die. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. See, even though Christ has conquered death, we each face it this side of the sun. And the day's coming when the last trumpet resounds, where the angels blow the trumpet and Jesus shows up again in the clouds and he calls his children to himself and everybody who's died in Christ, who has entrusted themselves, entrusted their body to be sown into the ground, remembering what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they are called back out of the ground. They're made into something new. What was sowed, perishable, is now raised imperishable. The seed that was sown grows back into something that's immortal, something that's beyond what we understand as our limitations here. We see Jesus in a resurrected body walking through walls, and that seems normal for him. I've seen some children try to walk through walls, and that does not work yet. But I tell you a mystery that we shall not all go to sleep. We shall not all die. That when Jesus shows up, those who have gone and entrusted themselves before are raised, and then the rest of us are transformed, we're changed. A seed that hasn't been planted just gets turned into a tree. I don't know about you, but I hope for that. <laughs> like I feel like maybe a little bit less suffering might make me more appreciative, but maybe not. I don't know. It's not for me to decide. And it's not for me to know. But we all stand on the precipice knowing that eternity is right there. And it's a mystery. There's tension in what the Bible tells us about and what it doesn't tell us about. I don't know if you've, like me, if you're like me, you've ever come to the scriptures asking questions, and God doesn't ever really answer your questions, but he gives you different questions to ask and gives you the answers for those. And all of those seem to point back to him. Hey, I'm God. You're not. I know what's going on. You kind of get a little bit of it. I've seen the end from the beginning. I planned it all out, and you're just trying to hold on to today. I'm just asking you to trust me with what I've given you today, your daily bread, and you're just going, I just want to eat something today. I'm concerned with the history of the whole entire universe. You're concerned with how the end of your day is going to go and what's going to happen in the next weeks, months. It's not necessarily wrong. It's just a good reminder that we're not God. But if Jesus is raised, our whole world is changed, and Jesus promises that he will completely restore his creation, all of it, ourselves included. And we have hope. But it's for those who have entrusted themselves to him. The seed is sowed, not just scattered. There's a deliberate decision that I'll entrust myself to Jesus. So our first question is, have I decided to trust Jesus for salvation? If I look at him and say, yes, you have conquered death. You have been raised. You told me that you would be the only one who could pay for my sin, and now you've demonstrated that by coming back from the dead? I want to trust you for that. I don't understand it. I don't get how the exchange works. I don't understand why I still have to struggle in this mortal flesh, why I still continue to sin, why I still am constantly failing you. But you say that you will save me, and I want to trust you for that. I don't get it. You're not asking me to get it. You're asking me to trust you. So have we trusted him? 
because we stand on the edge of that precipice. And the day will come where we're all changed. Verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, when that day comes and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's times where I read the scripture and go, yes, amen, awesome. Wait, I don't think that make, I don't know that I think about that. When we're talking with the children, we say, what are the things that you're afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of the things that hurt me. I'm afraid of the things that could possibly hurt me, whether they're real or not, whether it's ghosts or whether it's fire and the house burning down. Like, I'm afraid of the things that hurt me. And so we go, God, would you deliver me from death? What is the power of death? The sting of death is sin? No, the sting of death is that I get hurt. My feelings hurt. The sting of death is that I lose things. The sting of death is that I have to enter into sorrow. The sting of death is that nothing in the world works quite right. The sting of death is I have to mow my lawn. All right, I'll get off of that, but I'm just saying. The sting of death seems to be all of these other things that feel so tangible. He says, no, the sting of death is sin. We think that we have a grasp on like, okay, this thing is a sin thing, that thing is not a sin thing, that's a church thing, this is like a real life thing, and these two things don't necessarily go together. But he's saying, no, the sting of death is sin. The cause, the root cause of all the problem, all the pain that we feel is sin. The root cause of the fear that we feel is sin. And the power of sin is the law. If God had never told us what was right, then we wouldn't be concerned about doing the wrong thing. And that was why we rode, read, read, rode. That's why we read out of Romans 7 and 8. God told me what was right and what was wrong. And I want to do the right thing because I want to please God. But I always, like, I, like, there's a part of me that wants to do the wrong thing too. And sometimes I listen to the wrong thing more often than not. And there's a war that's going on within me. Wretched man that I am. Is it encouraging to you that the Apostle Paul, church planter extraordinaire, who suffers all things for the sake of Christ, can look and honestly say in the face of Jesus, wretched man that I am. The guy who you think has it all together, the guy who's on mission, the guy who's teaching other people, like he says, no, 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 I don't have this. Follow me as I follow Christ because my hope is in him. Wretched man that I am, that yet God, through his grace, could use me to touch something else, to move in another person's life. Because the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. And God in his grace has revealed to us what's right and wrong. He's revealed to us his law. And in his grace, he has provided a way that we can be righteous before him by paying the penalty himself. And we can be confident that the penalty has been paid because God cashed the check in the resurrection. The check cleared the bank. Jesus said, it's finished. And God said, yep. And the parts can't be separated from the whole with this. When we talk about church stuff, there's times where I feel like, I feel like, for me, I don't know if you're like me. You're probably better than me, and I'm cool with that. But for me, 
I struggle with like, oh, well, that seems like it's right, and so I'm going to take that part, and I'm going to take this part over here, and these things, like, they make me feel better about myself, and so I'm just going to take these. And there's times where we look at the resurrection and go, Jesus, Jesus has resurrected, he's conquered death, and I love that. That makes me feel so good about, you know, God loves me so much that he would do that for me. But I sometimes don't like the, the reminder that, like, I was dead in my sin, and I was the one who made it uh, necessary for him to come and die. We can't separate the parts from the whole. So remember your sin, but remember the grace of God that has forgiven and washed away your sin. Do I give my attention to death or to life? This week, I gave my attention to death. This week, I was focused on the brokenness in the world. This week, I was overwhelmed by the things that are wrong. And this morning, I read, death is swallowed up in victory, and go, yeah, right. What do we give our attention to? Shall we focus in on death and sin, which has been defeated? Or shall we turn to Jesus and fix our eyes upon him? Shall we focus in on true life and walk in the light of that? Verse 58, therefore, in light of this, conclusion of the whole series, therefore, if you ever read a therefore in scripture, you should ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? He's talking about everything that he's talked about here in chapter 15, the last three weeks that we've gone through. Therefore, in light of the resurrection, therefore, in light that God himself is saving us through Jesus, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast. Be immovable. What do we cling to? We all cling to something. There's something in our innate design that we have to cling to something. We have to worship something. We have to have our attention on something. So what is the thing that we're going to cling to? Shall we cling to the hope of the resurrection? I'm going to jump back, 1 Corinthians 15, back to verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the good news, the gospel I preached to you, which you receive. You received it as a gift in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive at the time of this writing, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles." unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they. So we preached and so you believe. Therefore, my brothers, 
Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We live in a land of abundance. We've got abundant cars. We've got abundant options for how to fuel our cars. We've got abundant options for toilet paper on the shelf. We've got abundant options for what we'd like to eat and when, and how much. Abounding in the work of the Lord. When people look at our lives and they see the things that are abundant in our lives, what are the things that they see as abundant? Is it the work of the Lord or is it the work of trying to satisfy my own needs, my own desires? So how will I serve Jesus this week? Will I serve him by spending time learning from him? Will I serve him by sharing the good news of the resurrection and the hope that we have in Christ with my neighbors who don't know him? Or will I serve him by loving my neighbor even when they're the last person on earth that deserves it? How will I serve Jesus this week? And what confidence can I have that I'm not just wasting my life? What confidence that I can, have, can I have that not everything is vanity, that the work that I do matters? We can confidently serve Jesus because he lives. Confidently serve Jesus because he lives. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God in His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the internet, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.